Hey, my name is Colton. I'm one of the serving leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this message. As we jump in, let me just give you kind of a quick uh, recap over the last few weeks. For those of you who, who weren't here, as we've been identifying what does it look like to actually know the Holy Spirit. In week one, we laid the foundation that the Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a force to capture. And depending on your church tradition or denominational background, some of us may have grown up kind of thinking about the Holy Spirit as kind of something that we pour into our lives. Like, you need to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit or or maybe like an equation that we add to our lives. And that's not the role of the Spirit because he's a person, a relationship to know, not a force to capture. We took it just a bit further in week two by identifying the Holy Spirit's not only a person, but he's an equally, infinitely divine person along with Jesus and the Father. And then last week, we, we looked at the gifts that the Spirit wants to give us. And we said that spiritual gifts, because all of us have a gift, you've got a gift, whether you realize it or not, the person beside you has a gift, whether they realize it or not. Some of us, maybe because of insecurity, haven't been exercising that gift, even though there's been people in your life who said, man, you're like, you're really good at that. But you think to yourself, no, I could never possibly be good at something, or I could never be naturally talented in a particular area, while others of us have been using our gifts in ways that only benefit ourselves. But we looked last week at identifying that a spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit gives us, so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. So that not just you individually or us as a church, but that every church in our community would exercise the gifts that God has naturally given us. Why? For the betterment of other people, to serve other people better. That's, that's the role of the, of the Holy Spirit. And then today, we're going to take just a little bit, we're going to go just a little bit further. And I was sharing with First Service, if you've been coming to Ethos for any length of time, you've probably heard me share something similar like this before, but the first and the last week of every series is the hardest one for me to prepare for, because the first week, I really want to lay a foundation, because if the foundation isn't right, the rest of the weeks just sort of crumble, Right? But then the last week, what happened by the time I get to the last week is all of the stuff that I didn't have time to share in the previous weeks, I put into a separate note on my computer, and I go back to that on the very last week, and I look at, like, what do I need to share now? Like, what haven't we said yet that we prepared to say but haven't had space to say? And I share that with you because this particular series, there's no way that we could do an exhaustive series on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's a person to know, not a force to capture. If he were a force, you could probably take 12 weeks, unpack all of the force of the Holy Spirit, and we could figure it out. But come on, husbands, you, can, you know this. Like, whether you've been married to your wife for one year or for 100 years, you're still trying to figure her out. Why? Because it's a relationship, right? Like, by the way, if you've been married to your wife for 100 years, I would love to meet you because that's incredible and a miracle. But... But so we can't, you never fully, it's a relationship and it's dynamic, it's not static and it's continually growing in one sense as well. And so all of that to simply say that if you're newer to Ethos, today, the last week of all of our series, we usually teach for about three to four hours. So just hang tight. We're going to, that's a joke, by the way. Some of you are like, why did you invite me today? But no, I just, I want to, I want to share today from a working title called To Know, Be Known, and To Be Led by the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to know the Spirit, really, as we kind of conclude this series, to be known by the Spirit? And then furthermore, how do we identify how to be led by the Spirit of God? Because I really believe this. I wrote this down before week one. I just had this kind of this this sense 
in one sense, like that God was inviting us to be a naturally supernatural, biblically faithful, individually and collectively led by the Spirit of God type of a church. Like this is, this is where we're going. This is the, I just think this is really important stuff as we'll dive into in the conclusion here this morning. Can I, but by a show of hands, a little participation today, can I see, how many of y'all would say you have a passion for music? Can I see your hands? Like quite a few of you. Yeah, like I, I'd be with you. Like I feel like I have a passion for, I like, I love almost all genres of music. Admittedly, there are some country, some country music that gets under my skin just a little bit, but for the most part, I, I really do love it all. In fact, I have a lot of friends who love music too, who like have a real deep, sincere, almost overwhelming passion for music. In fact, one of my friends, Braden Campbell, he, he's one of those guys, he can get up for Braden as he comes this morning. Braden has a real passion for music, and I've, I've asked Braden if he could just kind of show off his passion to us this morning. He, he loved, Braden can play multiple instruments, but primarily guitar. Guitar is his go-to passion. Can you, give us a little riff, Braden, if you will. It doesn't work if the volume's on, yeah. To it like all like body and soul that was awesome that was well done you make music sound really beautiful Braden I have a passion for music too and I really do like I, I love music like a lot so I'm gonna do the same thing Braden just did translates into a gift. And I think a lot of you can relate with this. Here's where I'm going with this. If you don't exercise the things that you're in one sense even naturally passionate about, you'll never be able to practice them in ways that are actually a benefit to the people around us. It's important that we know, like, what am I naturally, what do I naturally lean to? What am I, what am I naturally more interested in? Last week, we finished our we finished the talk by identifying that we were going to give you a tool this week to help you further identify your unique spiritual gift. In fact, we just linked it to our website. If you go to this link right here, ethosoh.com forward slash gifts, in case you're watching online or podcast at a later date, you, you can actually take a spiritual gifts assessment and further identify, like, what is it? How has it been that God has naturally gifted me? Like, what are the things I naturally are, are inclined to maybe be kind of good at? You can actually find that. But, but here's, here's where I think sometimes we get a little bit off. Sometimes we can be so invested in or interested in our own gifts, our own talents, that we actually miss out on the giver of the gift. And so in an attempt to further identify the ways in which God has uniquely created me, we can almost exclude God from the equation of our lives, which is what we're talking about through this series, that that we need to grow in our relationship, not just our knowledge, not just our understanding, in this case, not just simply the ways in which we know that we have been gifted. Let Let me say it like this. William Barclay mentioned at one point in a, in a, what's it called? Uh, what's it called when you, when somebody, Commentary. Oh my gosh, my mind just totally went blank. William Barclay is one of my favorite New Testament scholars, and here's what he said in one particular commentary, of which I really got off there. Okay, here it is. The important issue is not how many gifts I have, 
But is my life like Christ? And am I attracting people to him? Are the gifts that I have been given pointing people back to, back to Jesus? See, there is no gift, no spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives that's an indication of spiritual maturity. No, no, no. The, 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 the indication of your spiritual maturity is whether or not you are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit that's manifesting in love. That's how you measure your spiritual maturity. And yet in the same breath, yes, God does give you gifts. And it's for the purpose of helping people see Jesus more clearly. Now here's the question that I want to wrestle with this morning. How do we do that? How do we, empowered by the Holy Spirit, point people back to Jesus and point people closer to Jesus. I really believe that it begins with this right here. Begins with knowing and understanding that you are known by the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is where everything good about life begins. (laughs) Everything good. If you are searching for meaning in life, I'm telling you right now, like maybe you're skeptical about church and about God and maybe you'd kind of put yourself into more of an agnostic agnostic and agnostic Um, I'm struggling with words second service so right now we're just going to determine we're going to go with first service for the podcast today okay but but like maybe maybe you kind of lean more in that in that direction like that's that's okay we're we're so glad that you're here we we want ethos to be a safe place where you can wrestle with the scriptures and wrestle with with your with your faith but if that is you like one of the things that that we believe as as Christians as follower of Jesus as followers of Jesus is that all of the best part of life begins with knowing and being known by God. Have you ever thought about what it means to be known by God? Like, it's pretty cool to think about for just a moment that God would say about me, about you, oh, Jordan Smucker, I know him. I love him. I'm really proud of him. Like, it's pretty cool to to think about, like, that, that God would say, like, oh, Chase Weatherby, like, oh, I know him. Like, I, I love him. Like, I'm, I'm really proud of him. Oh, Caitlin Richardson, I, I know her. I love her. Like, I'm really proud of her. Have you ever thought about that before? Like, has that, has that ever kind of sunk down into the depths of your soul in one sense? Like, are you even confident that this is what God says about you? Well, Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul that we mentioned a few moments ago, that this is exactly what one of the roles of the Spirit of God is. This is a role of the Spirit that we haven't touched on yet throughout this series. In fact, in Galatians 4 verse 6, Paul says, because you are his sons or because you are his daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who calls out, who cries out, Abba, Father. Now, without giving too much context as to As to what this term means, just understand that Abba Father is the most intimate and endearing term that we see in all of the scriptures as it relates to a relationship. And so what Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to, desiring to cry out within you so that you can become more aware of the fact that you can know God in such an intimate way that you would see him as like, oh, Abba, Father. Like you're more than just an off in the distance God that I pray to once in a while when I'm really in need. You're somebody who I grow in relationship with, a person to know, not simply a force to capture. Paul goes on, he says, you're no longer a slave but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir, like, like a son or a daughter would be to his mother or, 
our Father. Like he assures us, the Holy Spirit assures us that we are in right standing with God, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. In fact, Paul goes on, look at this, in Romans 8, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Holy Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption, your relationship to God, your sonship. And by him we cry, here's that word again, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we really are God's children. Now, I don't know where you're at when you read that or when you hear that. Maybe you're tracking 100% and like this is affirming what you feel. Like, like I sense that God is constantly reminding me through the Holy Spirit that I can have that relationship with him. Or maybe you would say, I don't experience that kind of intimacy with God. The spirit in me never cries, Abba, Father. If that's you, that's okay. I don't have kind of like a four-step prescription for you. I don't personally think that one exists. However, I do want to offer to you three potential obstacles that I think stand in between you, me, and knowing God in that intimate, very informal in one sense, kind of a way. In fact, I just want to give us, and these, these are brought to you today by experience, okay? Like, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you right now because I'm telling you, like, uh, maybe just one of these resonates with you. All three of these resonate deeply with me, but, but kind of find yourself in these obstacles this morning. The first two I'm going to go through fairly quickly, and then the last one we're going to lean into just a bit more. The first, first obstacle, I believe, is, is just simply comfort, like, maybe my life is just too safe. I have felt closest to God when nearness to him was a necessity. Oftentimes, not immediately, but always eventually. I'll never forget, just shortly before Courtney and I got married, I spent 14 weeks in India on the southern tip of the nation at a Bible school that was training native Indians to plant churches all across that nation. It was an incredible experience for me, but I was the only, I was one of two Americans on that base. The other American was from Louisiana, and he was actually at the Bible school being trained to plant a church in India. It was incredible. It's just a, an amazing human being, but, but I'll never forget the first three or four weeks. I just felt lonely. I was over there by myself, and I felt completely out of place. People could barely speak English, and I could barely speak their native tongue, and, and as a result, it felt unbelievably uncomfortable. But somewhere around week four, I started to recognize and realize just a bit more the nearness of the Spirit of God with me at all times. And I'm telling you, in the first three weeks, I was looking for a way to escape. By week four, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. In fact, even to this day, there are times where I still reflect back and think about the ways in which I sense the Holy Spirit transforming me and prompting me in words that I believe he had spoken to me during that time because I was so far out of my comfort zone that nearness to him was really a necessity. You know, two weeks ago in week number two, we talked about John 16 verse 7 where Jesus says, Hey guys, it's good that I go because I'm going, to send, I'm going to send another advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. We identified how that word advocate to describe the Holy Spirit can also be translated as the word comforter. Some of you may, may remember this. But I began thinking just this past week that, that when would we ever need to experience the comforter if our lives are already comfortable? 
And the truth is that for many of us, we insulate our lives intentionally, and not always with the wrong intentions, but certainly intentionally. And as a result of that insulation, it keeps us so comfortable that we really don't need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think one of those obstacles that keeps us from growing in intimacy with Him is, is just simply comfort. I think the second thing is volume. Like maybe my life is just too loud. For me personally, like in my quest to accomplish a lot, I've lost the art. And I'm honestly trying to regain it. Like the last couple years have just been me trying to, trying to regain this in one sense. Because I think I've lost the art of focusing on one thing or one person. And Jesus may not have, he may not have been distracted by the barrage of emails and text messages and social media that we experience today, but he certainly, without question, knew what it was like to have multitudes of people pursuing him all at once. And yet even Jesus demonstrated something for us that, that wasn't just something we're like, oh, wow, that's sweet, that's cool that Jesus did that. No, it was a model for us to follow after as well. He set a precedent in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Jesus gets up, leaves the house. He goes to a solitary place. Why? So he can just hang out with God. So he can just talk with the Father. Our lack of intimacy is often due to our refusal to unplug or shut off communication from all others so that we can simply be alone with him. Listen to me, listen, listen. Our lack of intimacy with God, it can often just simply be boiled down to this one thing. We just sort of refuse to get alone with him consistently. The longer and longer that I refuse to get alone with my wife consistently, the less and less our relationship feels intimate whatsoever. But the more that we pursue that, the closer we grow. Well, guess what? Your relationship with God, it's not much different. In the busyness of our world, like it takes tremendous effort. I know it does. To find a quiet place. And it takes time to quiet your mind and your heart before the Lord. But this is what's required for deep intimacy with God. And this is one of the obstacles that oftentimes keeps us from growing in our relationship with him. I was sharing with First Service that not too long ago, I was talking to a, talking to a friend of mine, and he was sharing with me how, how social media is such a distraction to him, but he wasn't willing to give it up because he felt like it benefited his business. And I just shared with him briefly, I said, hey, I'm just, just curious, like, like who told you that your business wouldn't grow if you weren't willing to sacrifice the one thing that you feel like and you have communicated to me is keeping you from growing in an intimate relationship with God? Who told you that? You think that if you didn't offer that to God in an effort to grow closer with him, that God wouldn't bless your obedience? Do you think it may just be the Holy Spirit who is prompting you to get rid of that one thing in your life, but it's the enemy who is convincing you that that one thing in your life is the thing that's helping your business succeed? I'm just telling you, like, like whatever standing in between you and God, God wants you to remove, and he will bless that when you, when you, get, when you do that for him. He, he wants you to have a relationship with him, and it is worth it. It's worth it. Then the third obstacle that stands in our way, this is, I'm telling you, this is just from some practical experience in my own life. It's dwelling on God's will for your life. It's being so fixated on God's plan for your future. Like how many times, can I, can I see a show of hands? How many times have you heard somebody say, I just wish I knew God's will for my life? Can I see your hand? Like that's most of you. 
In fact, I'd venture to say that most of you have probably said something like that before. At the very least, you've thought something like that before. I just wish I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. What's God's plan for my life? And I think, personally, that a lot of us need to forget about God's will for our lives. Now, before you dismiss you as a heretic and say you're never coming back to ethos, just, just hang with me. How many times have you heard somebody say this? How many times have you said this? But God cares more about our response to the Holy Spirit's leading today, in this moment, than about what you intend to do next year. And it's really easy to use the phrase God's will for my life as an excuse for inaction or for disobedience. In fact, it is much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. God, what do you want me to do right now? I think it's safer. I I think if we pursue safety, and really, it it really is safer in some ways to commit to following him someday, instead of saying, God, like, I just want to obey you today. Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, he says it like this, that trying to know God's will for my life is birthed in fear and results in paralysis. We are scared to make mistakes, so we fret over figuring out God's will. We wonder what living according to his will would actually look and feel like, and we're scared to find out. We forget that we were never promised a 20-year plan of action. Instead, God promises his presiding and indwelling presence. And I think that dwelling on God's plan for your future often excuses us from just faithfully and sacrificially living right now. See, Jesus didn't die in order for you and I to be followed by him. He died so that we would follow him. I was reading just this past week with my daughter Sophia. We were going through the New Testament together, just kind of chapter by chapter, and And in Matthew chapter 4, it just sort of stuck out to me as we're reading this one evening how Jesus, for the first time in the New Testament, we see him invite some followers to come follow him. And it's some fishermen. And he yells out, hey guys, hey, hey, y'all want to come follow me? And the scriptures say they just drop their nets and they start to follow him. And it struck me that had I been in their position at that time, and Jesus says to me, Hey, Jordan, you want to come follow me? And I'm in the middle of fishing. I'm like, yeah, give me a moment to wrap up. Or, hey, hey, Jesus, like, where are you going? Hey, can you share a little bit about, like, your benefit package? What's this look like a year from now? Where are we sleeping tomorrow night? Does this come with an IRA? Some PTO? Some tuition reimbursement? No, just, just come follow me. It's, it's going to be a journey. It's going to, it might even be crazy at times. And, but they just simply drop their nets and they, and they follow him. In John chapter 10, Jesus later tells the disciples, he says, hey guys, hey guys, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I don't know if you've realized this yet, guys. Like after having followed me now for about a year and a half, like are you starting to recognize that I have come to give you real life, like full life? And the life that many of us are pursuing, eventually we all discover, like, it, it can't be found outside of that deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. But if all you want, if all I want, 
Is a little bit of Jesus to kind of spiritualize my life? A little extra God to keep me out of hell? We miss out on the fullness of life that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us through Jesus. See, you don't need the Holy Spirit if you are merely seeking to live a semi-moral life. I know, I've tried. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. You just need a little bit of discipline. Maybe a little bit of accountability. Like, you you don't need the Holy Spirit if all you're trying to do is kind of attend church semi-regularly. See, you need the Holy Spirit's help and power if you desire to truly follow the way of Jesus, if you desire to truly obey everything, everything that he says. But for a lot of us at one point or another, we kind of sense the Spirit of God telling us something. Or we maybe even listened to a message or talking to some friends and we felt convicted like, yeah, I need to start doing that. Or yeah, I need to step out and try that. Or yeah, I need to begin to believe God in that area and actually exercise my faith. Which side note, by the way, you don't actually believe the things that you don't practice. You can be a Christian and not a follower of Jesus. Christian is about what you believe. A follower of Jesus is about what you do. And oftentimes what happens in so many of our lives, my own life included, I'm telling you, man, like, like I'm going to listen back to this message and be challenged by it because, because in my own life, what I have discovered is that whenever I neglect the Spirit's promptings in my life, whenever I neglect what, the, what I believe the Spirit is saying to me, I slowly become desensitized to Him continuing to speak those things to me. A.W. Tozer says it like this, that to expose our hearts to truth and consistently refuse or neglect to obey the impulses it it arises is to stymie the motions of life within us and if persisted in, to grieve the Holy Spirit into silence. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. He doesn't just speak to the pastor or to your grandma who prays every morning for you. Like, he's speaking to you. It's just a matter of like, do, do, do you hear him? Like, do, do, you, do you kind of sense his promptings, his impressions? In fact, the Holy Spirit speaks through a ton of different ways of which we are not getting into today or in this series. But I think three of the primary ways through which he speaks is through the Bible, through the scriptures, through people, through peers, mentors, other relationships that he puts around you that oftentimes we're kind of offended by when they when they kind of tell us something that we know we need to hear but don't really want to hear it and we, we kind of feel a bit offended by it and we move away from that relationship and yet that was the Spirit of God who was impressing something upon your life. Or then third, just through His voice. Like, like just kind of through that gentle, still, small voice. Through those thoughts that you have that are in perfect alignment with His Word. Like when's the last time that you were at the post office and you were in line and you sense the Holy Spirit say, hey, turn the person behind you and strike up a conversation with them. Like we need to learn to listen to the Spirit in moments where maybe historically we just pull out our phone and just distract ourselves. Yet the Spirit of God wants to do something special through you in those moments. Like learn to listen as you prepare your budget and determine where your money is going to go. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit as he's telling you, not a bad idea to have a budget, you know? Like that could be the Spirit of God telling you those things. I'd venture to say it probably is the Spirit of God telling you to do those, to do those things. Like listen as you struggle to determine where to go to university or whether or not you should take that promotion or what job to pursue. Like and I'm telling you, how does the Spirit speak? He just speaks through peace. 
Not peace because you feel like, oh, all of those things are exactly what I always desired. But no, like for whatever reason, I can't really shake the feeling that this is what I'm supposed to do. And it may even go against the cultural grain of what I've always been thought, what I always thought I was going to do. But this is where I have the most peace. Like learn to listen as you engage in a new relationship, a new friendship, a new dating relationship. As you decide whether or not to continue to pursue it, as you decide whether or not to get married, like should you have kids or should you adopt? Or should you foster? Should you do what maybe is a little bit uncomfortable, but it's oftentimes our desire for comfort that keeps us from really living out and being empowered to do the things that maybe feel really hard to do, but when we step out to do them because we've been prompted by the Spirit to do them, He comes alongside of us, and almost like wind in our sails, we can feel like, oh, I can do this now. Listen, God's faithfulness always coincides with our obedience. And sometimes we want God's faithfulness before our obedience, or we want, in one sense, let me say, like, this is a better way to say it, we want the grace of God or the proverbial breath of God in our sails before we obey. It just doesn't work that way. Can you think about the disciples for just a moment? Hey guys, come follow me. All right, cool. Guys, it was three and a half years later until they finally figured out this guy is actually who he says he is. And so sometimes it doesn't always come even immediately. But our desire to have the stuff of God oftentimes keeps us from our desire of just following God and knowing that in his timing and in his ways, he is going to come alongside of you. He's always alongside of you, but he's going to prove himself in ways that just, just absolutely blow your mind. Like this is what God wants us to do. Like following Jesus always involves a habitual, continual, and active interaction with the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. This is kind of where I'm closing right here, but that following Jesus, to borrow a phrase from Eugene Peterson, is a long obedience in the same direction of paying more and more attention to the Spirit within us and less and less, and less, and less attention to our own thoughts and desires. It's not simply a one, two, three step. It's just becoming more and more aware of the Holy Spirit always with you. You want to be led by the Spirit? You want to know the Spirit? You want to experience the power of the Spirit? Just simply become more and more aware of the Spirit always with you. This is super corny. I know. I know this is. I'm aware of this, okay? Some of you are younger. You're like, you're really showing your age right now, Jordan. But I, I made these little wristbands, these little bracelets right here. And I actually just made them originally just for me and my family. And it just says on it, John 16, verse 7, because that's that scripture that we've been talking about over the course of this series where Jesus says, guys, it's good, that, it's good that I go. It really is. It's good that I go because I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then it just says right beside that scripture, never alone. All that is for me is just a reminder. I need reminded because I'm just an idiot sometimes that I need the whole, that the Holy Spirit's always with me. You know that illustration I just gave you a moment ago in the post office? Yeah, it's because that was me in the post office. And I literally, in this moment of being in this long, you know, hot, sweaty line in this tight little post office, I, I, just, I just jumped on my phone. And as I did, I looked down at this wristband and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just prompted me, like, talk to the person behind you. And I was like, yo, what's up? I didn't actually say it like that. Like, yo, what's up? How you doing, you know? <laughs> 
I said that in first service and it really went over really good. And so then I tried to duplicate in second service, but I couldn't because it was really natural in first service. Second service, I was just acting it. And that wasn't, that didn't work. Anyway, but, but it was like, it was just this moment. I just had, and then nothing crazy. Like, did you pray for her, Jordan? Like, did she give her life to Jesus? Yeah, she was actually healed of paralysis and now she knows the Lord. Like, no, none of that happened. I just, I just, hey, how's your day going? What are you doing here? Buying stamps? <laughs> I literally didn't know what to say. I had, there was no like, fir- first line is this, Jordan. Second line is this. Like, I didn't know what to say. Would you open your Bible, please? You can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone if you don't have one. Like, I didn't do any of that. Like, I was just like, hey, how's your day going? Yeah, it's kind of a long line, huh? Going kind of slow. Yeah, what do you got going on the rest of the day? How's your family? Kids going back to school this week? Got kids? We just struck up a relationship, struck up a conversation. Maybe I'll never meet her again. Maybe I will. I don't know. All that I'm saying, it was just this little tiny moment that feels so insufficient and inferior even to me. Because even after the fact, I thought, that probably wasn't even the Holy Spirit. And then I thought, why wouldn't it be the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't it be just like God? Just to kind of, hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's just kind of share a, share a moment together. I made these bracelets for my family, but then I know it's corny, but we, we made them for you if you want one on your way out. You don't have to take one. It's not going to offend me at all if you don't take one. We've got different sizes, so if you have smaller wrists than me, you probably do. I have ridiculously large wrists. And, and so you can get a smaller one, or there's different versions of it. You can grab one on the way back if you want, just as a simple reminder. Like, you're never, you're never alone. I'm going to close kind of with this thought right here. I've been reflecting on this for really the last probably two years. And I've just realized like what disturbs me the most about my life is a lot of times like God living in me, like his indwelling presence hasn't really made a noticeable difference from those who don't follow Jesus. And I hate that. And I don't want that anymore. My, my prayer for the last couple of years now has just been like, God, just use me in ways that are utterly disproportionate to me that I could never explain on, on my own. Because like, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. Like, I desire that our church would not be explainable separate from the Holy Spirit. I desire that the churches all across our region would not be explainable, that what God would do through the churches of our region would not be explainable separate from the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of ashamed to share this with you, but I, I do so because maybe it'll help. But there used to be a time when I would get really excited over a crowd showing up to hear me preach. And it was about five years ago when I stood on a platform and, and I was preaching in front of a crowd of a size that I had never preached in front of before. And it was pretty, pretty large. And I remember walking out there and feeling like almost like an adrenaline rush, to be honest. And I remember stepping up and just getting into the message. And I probably wasn't more than 10 minutes in the message. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't be impressed with the crowd, be impressed with me. And it was in that moment that I thought, wow, like I'm a stupid human being. Like, and like, cause I don't want my life to be explainable. Like, like I know this, like I, like I, like I could probably talk some people into reading their Bible. I can probably even talk you into praying if you hang out long enough around ethos. But I I also know this. I cannot talk you into falling more in love with Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And more than prayer, more than reading your Bible, like that's that's life. Like it's it's not a routine of religiosity that we're after here. 
It's like, I, I want my life to be a reflection of like, wow, the Holy Spirit is awesome. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's this story of these false prophets of Baal, 450 of them. Baal is this fake God, little G God. Then there's Elijah, true prophet of the one true God. The story goes that for several hours, these 450 prophets are standing before the people asking Baal to send down fire from heaven in order to set ablaze the sacrifice that they put before the God of Baal. After kind of a fanatical worship experience, several hours pass, and Elijah asks, he's like, y'all done? You tried real good. Good effort, good effort. And then Elijah sets before the one true God an offering, and he prays. And God sends fire from heaven. Now, the story's crazy. I get it. But the point of the story is actually the people who are watching. <laughs> There's a crowd of people who are just hanging out all day, just waiting to see, like, who wins? Baal or the one true God? And right after Elijah calls down fire from heaven, it says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 39, that the people say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Notice that what the people don't say is Elijah. He's the man. Elijah, he knows how to pray. Yo, did y'all see the power that Elijah prayed with? What a great, incredible leader Elijah is. They don't say that. They're like, what we just saw, what we just experienced, cannot be explained in any other way except the Lord. He's God. I want to know Him more. That's what we're, that's what we're after here. That's what we're pursuing. Like may our lives not be explained separate from the Holy Spirit.